Well, quite a number of us, well, four of us. <laughs> Is this the right, which? Number two or the other one? Doesn't matter. Excellent. I'll stick with what I've got. Um, four of us are going to speak today on what the Lord has spoken to us um, in terms of the word of the Lord for this next season. I don't necessarily subscribe to the 2024 thing, but sometimes the 24s come up. But the Lord isn't restricted to calendar years, right? (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) That's a good start. He moves in seasons and he moves in eras and there, there are sovereign seasons and sovereign moves of the Lord, but there are also seasons and um, eras of the Lord that are moved and shifted by the obedience or the lack thereof of his people. Um, and the ability of the enemy or darkness to delay times and seasons because of the inactivity of his people. So time and times and seasons aren't as um, robust, maybe, as, as we think of calendar years. And we think, well, it's a fresh year. I'm going to start again. And I'm just, it's all going to be new. And the Lord's doing a new thing. And if I failed in the last season, that doesn't matter. I can start again because he's doing a new thing. Well, no, that's not the case. What is good about that is that there is always a fresh start in the Lord. So you don't have to wait for a new season or a new calendar year or even a new day. You can do it halfway through the day. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It can be right now that we shift seasons and we posture ourselves in repentance before the Lord and we go, okay, now I am stepping in now into the now season of the Lord. It is absolutely a posture of the heart. You don't want seasons or sovereign seasons of the Lord to come and go and you've never stepped into them. You've never partaken of them. You've never been a part of them. You've never been the one to champion that season that the Lord wanted to bring on earth because he uses human agency. But one of the reasons I wanted um, for today for you to have uh, like different voices coming through about what the word of the Lord is and what the word of the Lord has said to us is because as I'm hearing Um, what the Lord's saying to people, it's so vastly, um, it's so broad, it's so vastly different, um, but it's so specific that the underlying, and this this is my opinion, that the underlying word of the Lord is that he desires to give us keys, which is why there are so many different um, words of the Lord coming, but they're all keys for one thing. And each of us need different keys to unlock and different keys to open the season in our lives because of where we are and what our calling is and the way that we need to run. But the Lord is saying this, find your calling, find your lane and run. Run. This is the season to run your race. We are no longer in a grace of comparison, no longer in a grace of being able to look at somebody else's race or somebody else's scroll or what the Lord has said to somebody else to do and run that race. There's no grace on that. There is, that is toil. And so many of us have this hope deferred um, thing in our lives because we're toiling after a scroll or a calling that was never ours that was somebody else's because it looked good or somebody else put something on us. And it's time to shake off the grave clothes 
And it is time to step into life, step into your calling and be, and, and be so grateful and enamored. Be enamored with the scroll that the Lord has given you. Be like in love with it, enamored with it, like so in pursuit of it because it's Him. Um, and, it's, and it's His specific and, and precise design for your life to walk out, which has grace attached to it, empowerment, and it has glory attached to it, and it has success attached to it, and it has the kingdom of heaven attached to it. And so what he's asking for us in this season to look at is, what is he calling me to do? And all of these, these are keys. These are equipping for you to run your race. And nothing is meant to squash you into one single lane that we're all, all squashed into together, running this weird three-legged, hundred-legged race, and everybody's handicapped by being attached to something that's not theirs. Right? Unattach from what is not yours, attach to what is yours, use the keys of the kingdom to run. And that has nothing to do with the word of the Lord that I feel. <clears throat> but this is why I, there's, there's, there, I, I wanted number of voices to come forward about, because as, as you're reading um, some of the words of the, the prophets um, online, I want you to be mindful that they are key, there are keys in those things for your calling, but not to become restricted or held in or, or, or bound by what somebody has said is the word of the Lord for the season if it doesn't align with where the Lord has you. Pull out the keys because the Lord's always speaking keys, but don't get restricted and bound. Sometimes we get restricted and bound by some of these words and they were never meant for us. They're too broad, they're too, or too, too restrictive. And God's called you specifically to run your race. And so the Lord started to speak to me about where your treasure is. Is your treasure... See, some, some of the reasons that we fall into comparison or some of the reasons that we fall into looking at somebody else's scroll is because what it looks like. Or, or how it produces something that to our eye looks like the calling of God or looks like a successful life or looks like... And because of that, then our hearts get attached into that place and our treasure is there. And in Matthew 6, um, 9 to 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. And that word treasure there means deposit or wealth. And it actually breaks down to mean investment. Sometimes we don't leave old seasons or old friendships or old jobs or whatever it is because of the investment that we have made there and we don't want to be left with nothing because of how much we've sown into a place because our heart is attached to where we have invested. Your heart will always start to create soul ties where you've placed investment into. And so we need to put our investment into kingdom him places. 
We need to invest in those things that he's called us to because there will be victory in those places. And we need to be okay with allowing investment that we've placed in old seasons to let go of that. We need to be okay to let go of where we've made investment where it wasn't where we were meant to. Even though that may cost you something to let it go, if you stay there, it will cost you everything. It'll cost you your whole calling. It'll cost you your life. It'll cost you the places of abundance and ease in the Lord while you toil over here because you don't want to let go of something that you've invested in. So the first thing I feel the Lord ask of us is to let go of the places we have invested in that weren't him no matter the cost. And to start to invest into the places that he has called us to. And as we invest our time, and as we invest our energy, and as we invest our finance, and as we invest our person into those places, our heart gets attached. Because sometimes we think, oh, but the, I, I enjoy this so much. And over here, what the Lord's, you know, asking of me, will I even enjoy it? Will I even like that? What if he's asking me to go into something that I hate? Well, first of all, that's not the Lord. It's the spirit of fear and intimidation. And that's the enemy. But also, when you start investing, your heart will start going there. When you start investing into the Word of God, you know, when you start to read the Word, it's a little bit like, maybe for some of us, a little bit dry, a little bit boring, a little bit, uh, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do my, my 15 minutes of reading. But when you start actually investing in that a lot, when you start investing your time and your, your purpose and your energy into reading the Word, you then can't get enough of it. Your heart desires it because, one, it gives life. And two, it is the Word of God and your heart becomes attached to that place. The same if you watch a television series. The same of anything. You start and you're like, oh, I can't wait till that next episode comes up because your heart is attached in something you've invested time into. If you had never invested time into it and you just read the synopsis, it would not interest you at all. But it's because of the heart investment into something and then it starts to tug um, in that place where you've started to store treasure. So the word of the Lord that I felt this year was, is connected to that. And it's about how tightly or loosely are we willing to hold on to the things of the earth, the things that we've toiled for, even the things that the Lord has given us. And he spoke to this part of the message as I was preparing when I spoke on extravagant worship about the cost of the next season coming and the temptation to give the Lord everything as long as it doesn't cost me personally too much. As long as I don't have to disconnect from the places where I have invested and I want to keep those things going. So the Lord spoke to me out of 7 Samuel 24, 24, um, which is perfect government. And it is 2024. Um, Oh, Daryl, you made me sing that song too many times. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Holly. Um, Holly, Holly. So in context, um, there's a plague coming. Um, and David's coming to build an altar to worship the Lord. 
And Gad speaks to David and tells him to, to build an altar um, on the threshing floor of Ornah. I don't know how to say his name. But the name Gad, so it's Gad who um, tells David that he needs to go and build this altar. And the name Gad means to attack and overcome. So a plague is coming. And the word of the Lord comes from a place of we need to attack and overcome. And that is the posture that we need to have, is not to become defensive, not to withdraw. If something is coming, we need to attack to overcome. And the first place that we go is to build an altar to the Lord. And so he goes up um, and this man (laughs) sees him coming and he says, what are you here for? He says, I've come to, to um, buy a threshing floor from you to, to bring sacrifices to the Lord. And this man says, well, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the threshing floor and I'll give you all of the um, wild people, pe- not people, <laughs> oxes that you need to bring the sacrifice. Oh, dear. Um, I'll give it all to you. And this is David's response, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer a burnt offering to the Lord, my God, that costs me nothing. And I don't know, you might not remember when I spoke about what a burnt offering is, it's the offering of ascension. And it's the offering of laying your life on the altar to be completely consumed, to be completely taken up to the Lord, to be transformed from um, one type into another type, from bodily form into smoke, in order to be received and, and in order to be able to ascend and to be received by the Lord. So if we put things on the altar that are not the fullness of ourselves, we don't get transformed into what we need to do in order to ascend or what we need to be in order to ascend. And so when he says, I will not bring a burnt offering that costs me nothing, it's, 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 it's akin to saying, like, I'm not going to put things on the altar that are irrelevant to my complete and utter transformation for me to become what I need to be in order to ascend and be what the Lord needs me to be to impact the earth. I will not bring to the Lord what costs me nothing. Everything that we hold back from bringing um, onto the altar of the Lord doesn't get transformed and therefore is unable to ascend. It is unable to be in the heavenly places. It is unable to have a perspective of being seated in the heavenly realms. It doesn't have that perspective. And so everything we withhold from the Lord only has an earthly earthly perspective. And so I believe that the word of the Lord for this season is not to bring him anything that costs you nothing, but to understand that in the cost, you get transformed and you get all things. What um, I'm going to ask Christina to come at the end because what we're going to start in the afternoons from here on in is a series around the inner world and governing the inner world that allow us to walk out all of these words and all of the things that the Lord's bringing in this season for us to walk walk out. So now I'm just going to hand over to Belle. Let's welcome Belle.
Hello. I'd love to say this is nice, um, short, sweet, shiny, but it, it, it had a real strength to it. Um, so forewarned. Um, or maybe it was just so personalised to me that you might not feel it in the same way. But um, just after Christmas, I was like scrolling through, um, you know, Facebook posts of everyone like, oh, Merry Christmas from my family to yours and, you know, um, pretty much everyone doing that. But in the space of about one or two minutes, I had three people put Merry Christmas 2024 and then the next one. You know, the two kids holding the Merry Christmas 2024. And I was I did double take. I was like, hang on a minute, it's 2023. Like, um, and then the next post was, um, you know, looking forward and I hope you have a great, you know, 2025. And I'm like, this, this <laughs> now this is a bit weird. So who knows that when you actually get like something of those quickened, you know, um, all in a row within a couple of minutes, I was like, God, you're saying something about time here. What are you saying? Um, it didn't occur to me right then and there that potentially they deliberately did it because of the leap year thing. Um, but the point was that God highlighted it to me to say, I want you to, to, to lean into this 24, 25 leap year thing. Uh, so anyway, as I lean in, um, he then took me to Pro- Proverbs 24 Um, a play on the 2024, and he spoke to me from there, which is verse 33 to 34. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. And so when I started to unpack that scripture, he then takes me to the next one that is pretty much the same. Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When, you, when will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. So I was like, okay, I'm listening. At this point in time, you know, you can feel that, I could feel that strong conviction of what he was saying. Um, so a sluggard is never prepared. A sluggard is someone that is completely unmotivated, um, not wise, and they require external motivators to get them going. These are the, you know, this can be a a reflection of like seeking to look for someone else's intimacy with the Lord to actually sustain them is a good definition of a sluggard. By like definition, definition, this is a person that is lazy. Now, we're not going to fit under that category all the time, but there are aspects that God wants to talk us through about not being the sluggard because Solomon contrasts the lazy person, to an ant. Okay, consider the ant. Now, this ant's wise. He's prepared. An ant has an innate knowing and a wisdom of his purpose, what he's called to, and how he's meant to operate. So he goes about the work, preparing constantly, like digging out the holes, making sure that, you know, where they live, um, that they're all working together. They are never going to be unequipped for the next season. 
They're waiting, you know, getting out, getting their food, bringing it in at summertime. And it says that this is, this is the wisdom. Look at the ant who's not lazy and knows, has this innate knowing of what to do in the season. And not just the sustaining of themselves, but the sustaining of the whole community. And so contrast that to the lazy who it says in the sleep and the slumber, your, very key word, your poverty comes upon you. So when we talk about your poverty, it's going to manifest in each one of our lives very, very different one to the other. Our want and our needs and our poverty that comes potentially upon us going to look very, very different, like Rachel was saying, not to make the comparison, but the lack is the same. And so we're not talking just when we talk poverty here. God's not talking about just a financial, am I, am I going to have enough money? We're talking here um, of poverty, a reflection of the, the very opposite of our full inheritance and that everything that we are purpose to have in our life. Um, so it's, you know, the, the place of insufficiency, short supply and lack. Um, it can look like poverty in our hearts of smallness of thinking, smallness of, um, you know, smallness of heart of being able to take the capacity of what he wants to grow us in and not living up to our potential. These things it says in these scriptures come upon us if we stay in that place of sleep and slumber, robbing us of the fullness of what is actually available to us. And so this, you know, it came this word to me with just this strong, wow, this year and going into the next season matters. This next season and what we do with it matters more than I've ever felt ever of like how much I diligently um, am doing the day-to-day and what that's going to look like. And I think that is the invitation that God is actually saying, this year is not a year to procrastinate. This year is not a year to put things off and to be sleeping and slumbering. Um, This year is the year for the heart journey. This year is getting to the work of the things that he's actually called us to that either are the new things or they are the things that he's been telling us for years. This year is not a year like any other. We can't be asleep at the wheel. We cannot in our personal journey put a halt and a little rest and a folding of the hands. We've got to be like that worker ant that just knows, innately knows the purpose and get to it. And we have to tuck into leaning into his wisdom in this season. I'm stuck in Proverbs at the moment because I know this season, like no other, means and requires something of wisdom like I've never needed before. And so when you go to Proverbs 13, verse 4, again, the soul of a sluggard, which obviously is a lazy man, craves and gets nothing because they're not willing to do the work. But the soul of the diligent is made fat. So when we, you know, I know Rachel talks a lot about diligence, and I, I love that word too. The diligent are decisive, prepared, armed, ready, determined, active, sharp, eager, and a threshing instrument. So they get to the work 
of the Father in their internal world and they um, get to the work of the Father of how am I going to manifest his kingdom in and through me. So it talks of the diligent being made fat. Now, let's not receive that in a different way. Fatness is talking of prosperity. Fatness is talking of anointing. Fatness is talking of fattening of oneself so that there is no lack, there is no poverty, and we are absolutely ready for the next season. Because if you are made, like if you do think of it, you know, about insulation, if you want to use the analogy, because we can all understand that one, um, it's about... If we grow in fatness, we've now got insulation to, you know, to not eat for probably a little bit longer. So the fatness is like knowing that this season of my diligence, diligence actually is going to cause me to be made fat so that if there's a season coming, and I'm not saying the season is 2025, I'm saying as we move into that next season of leanness, you are already made fat. You already have what it takes, like a Joseph company of like knowing that the fatness was the prosperity of Egypt to be able to pull in the grain and then feed and sustain many. But it took diligence. It took the work. It took having an understanding and a wise heart to be able to discern what was coming. So this season has to be one of two things, that either we go into this next season and we get, you know, do another year of procrastination around some of these um, things and we you know, become, stay wise in our own eyes, we're lazy in some of the areas where we know we shouldn't be. And I really, this is a warning word, I really do feel that if we stay in that place this year, that there is a, you know, in that leap year, that there is that sense of these, that poverty coming upon us. I don't like giving warning words, but I feel it like I've never felt it before, that we have to be diligent. So the awe in this and I use the analogy of like the procrastination. It's like you, um, you've heard that saying of you can't um, fatten a cow on a pig on market day. Like, you know, when we talk about getting and being made fat, you can't do it on the day when you've hit the season of leanness. The warning word right now is what will I do in this place of diligence right now? So the diligence is saying, okay, God, I'm going to seek out your wisdom. I'm going to put my heart towards doing every work in my internal world and also externally. What are you wanting and causing me to manifest in my world? Because this year the invitation is a leap year. Because what we do in this season means that you leap into the next season with fatness and not leanness and you will have everything that you require for things as they shift and change around the nations. There is no middle ground. And I know that's weighty, but I, just, I, can't, I can't find that middle ground this year. I can't find... That like, oh, we'll just, you know, do something a little bit easy. There's no ease in this year, this season. We have to be all in saying, I'm going to be diligent to leap into 2024 
with all diligence go after everything that he has for me. I'm going to pursue wisdom and pursue everything that he wants to do in my world internally and externally so that you're ready as we leap into the following year and season that you actually are just like, we've got this. There's a fatness of prosperity, understanding of who you are in inheritance. Like the ants, you get to the next season and those rains come, those ants are not concerned. We've got a storehouse of food. We've dug those tunnels, we've secured the, you know, we're going to be okay in that season. And so the call for us and the invitation for us is the same, is the diligence that I won't be seen to be sleeping or slumbering and my poverty come upon me. Thank you. Awesome. These are, these are good words, aren't they? So good. Um, yes. I, at the beginning of 2023... I said to Todd, Todd, we were just having a chat, and I said, Todd, I've got a scripture for the year. I've got a scripture for 2023. And, and he said, oh, great, you know. And he said, what is it? And I said, it's Psalm 24. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted his soul up to an idol. And I was like, wow. And then we started talking, myself and Todd, um, had this conversation at the beginning of the year, all about ascension. Then we talked about ascension, ascension gifts, what, and you know, and there was, and Todd spoke just some amazing messages on ascension, didn't he? And Psalm 24, and all those things. Now, midway through the year in 2024, I had a vision. If you want to say vision, good. Daryl had. No, you don't, don't need to say that. And in the vision, and you might have remember, I, I think I might have mentioned it on a morning service, but in the vision, I saw an aircraft carrier. If you want to say aircraft carrier. Now, an aircraft carrier represents an apostolic hub or base. It's like Antioch. Uh, it's how many of you know who saw Maverick in 2023 when it came out? You know, it's all about planes and fighter jets. And fighter jets represent ministry and power in the realm of the spirit. But the ministry and power is coming out of where? The, on, they're coming off the aircraft carrier, which is the apostolic hub, the apostolic base. Now, in my vision, I saw all of these people and, and I, I want to, who remembers this vision? Does anyone remember this vision that I had? Oh, one person. Okay, cool. Okay, Megan, it's all good. And so what happened, what happened was this, that I saw all of these fighter jets on the aircraft carrier, but all of the fighter jets had, or a lot of the fighter jets had um, locks on the wheels. Just like if you've ever had a, an issue with parking and they clamp your car. In England, they clamp the cars all the time at one misstep and they clamp your car. But all of these aircraft, all of the jets had clamps on the wheels of the jets. And what happened was this, that each of the, the Lord quickened to me that each of the clamps on the wheels of the jets had keyholes for keys to unlock, just like if you pay the price. Um, you know, you pay the, pay the toll and you get your car back. And I knew the, what these aircraft represented were the people, were people's destiny that I was looking at. It was all to do with people's destiny. Now, I knew that it represented power ministries, destiny, walking in the fullness of scroll, actually operating with these high-end, excuse me, these high-end fighter jets. 
And so what happened was this, that I was on the aircraft carrier and I was watching this, this vision unfold. Remember at the beginning of the year, God had said to me, 2023, a year of ascension, Psalm 24. And then midway through the year, he shows me this thing. And I see all of these people excited about their jets. They're running around and going, oh, I love my jet. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness, Piet, my jet's amazing. Went to check it out. It's going to be amazing. And everyone was, well, everyone was waiting. Everyone was, is that right? Were waiting. Everyone was waiting. Which one is it? It's one of them, was waiting. Everyone was waiting for the key to unlock their jet. Then the father appeared at the end of the aircraft carrier and everyone was freaking out. The father is here. So amazing. It's going to be so awesome. And as he got onto the jet, he had, no, really, and it sounds like I'm kind of exaggerating, but that's literally, it was so much excitement because the father in his hand had a set of keys. And everyone knew that the keys he he was, were, was, I'll get it right one day. I was an English student. Were, I were in England. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the keys he was holding were for the clamps that were on the fighter jets. Now, I knew immediately that the reason that the fighter jets had clamps on them was because people needed to be ready to take off and launch in their particular fighter jet. How many of you can see what I'm, understand where I'm going? So anyway, so, we all, so everyone starts to run down into this line in front of the father waiting for their keys. And I watched everyone lining up, and they were so, so excited, and he had these keys for these jets. And the father walked past people as they were standing up waiting. As they were standing up waiting, he was just walking past them. And they were going, and you, I mean, what do you say to, the, to God? You're not going to, what are you doing? You passed me by. What are you doing? You know, he's God, you know. And so what was really interesting is he kept on walking past all these different people. And I watched him walk past these people, and then I started to see something different in the line. Who wants to know what I saw? Well, I'm going to tell you. I saw people lined up. Shall I do a little enactment? Would that be easy? No, don't worry. So people lined up. So people lined up, all standing. But every fourth or fifth person I saw, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I saw kneeling. Can everyone see me? I saw kneeling down, and the people that were kneeling down, the father gave them the key, gave them the key, and he said this to me, I'm going to stay on my knees, I actually felt, I had a vision of me on my knees, um, and he said, can everyone see me okay? And the father said to me, he said, Daryl, what comes after a season of ascension? And I said, what? And he said, humbling. He said, after a season of ascension, people enter into a place where they are humbled or they become humble before the Lord. And when there is a humility demonstrated, they are in a place where I can empower them to then fulfill the thing that, that they're being called to do. This is really, really important. Now, now, I'm like, okay, I don't like this word, God. Can you give me something else, something a bit more encouraging? I don't want to be humbled. And what was really interesting, I said, show me that in Scripture. And he said, okay. So can you put up 2 Corinthians chapter 12 for me? 2, 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll go from verse 1. Is everyone okay? Okay. It is doubtful. Let's read it together. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come into visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man who in Christ, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Such a one ascended. It's ascension. 
I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. I know a man who in Christ, sorry, a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. That's a lot of such a one, was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, have I just read that twice, the whole thing? Yeah? Can we just, oh, sorry, can you just keep going down? Okay. <laughs> just like, I think I'm in like a dream, like a crazy dream. And uh, God knows, sorry, can you keep on going down? Sorry, God knows. Oh, and whether such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible, inexpressible words which is not lawful for man to utter. Keep going. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. This is so crazy. For though I might desire to boast, why is he going to boast? Why is he boasting? Because he's been caught up to the third heaven, a place in ascension, and he's been showing things. We don't just ascend and it's lovely, oh, and yeah, we went to the body part. We are showing things in the third heaven that are so precious and so secret. And guess what knowledge does? Knowledge puffs up. So there I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool for I, if I speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Keep going. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, which is ascension, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I become exalted above measure. This is so crazy, isn't it? Okay, keep going. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I'm not suddenly saying that someone's going to get a demon and get thorn in the flesh. But this is very interesting. Keep going. For I have become a fool in boasting, you have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. And verse 12, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. What is that, 12, 12? Fullness of government, 24. You see, when we talk about ascension, we get really, really excited because we see the gold elevator when we talk about ascension. But there is a cost that comes to taking heaven and bringing it through your life and bringing it to earth. And I really felt like one of the things that the Lord wanted to say, and, and, and I really wanted there to be a realm of exhorter over what I was saying today, and I'm trying, I'm really, really trying. But I won't give what, the, what costs me nothing, Excuse me, as Rachel just said. Criteria, what Belinda just said, a little bit of folding of the hands. I will choose to engage in the realm of diligence to see in this leap year the things, me catch the things that I'm being called to do. And then in conjunction with that, you've got something of this thing where God is, God is saying, actually, God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. See, I believe we're coming into a time of incredible grace. And the grace is going to look like God unlocking. Everyone say unlocking. 
incredible parts of our scroll, just like those aircraft carriers being launched out into the nations to do incredible things. But I feel like one of the things that God is saying is he's saying it starts and it will start in a place of humility. Because how many people have ever had something, God do something really good for them? And then you suddenly go, wow, yeah, I'm actually, and you kind of, I don't, maybe no one here, but you kind of get a ticket on yourself a little bit. Who's ever had a bit of a ticket? No one. One person. You're like, wow, that was really, you know, you prayed for someone, a tumor disappeared, and you're like, wow, yeah, praise God. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, praise God. Yeah, but it was kind of like, did you see it on my Instagram? Did you? And what I want to say is this. I believe that the, a lot of the church globally has been opposed by the Lord for a lack of grace. A lack of humility, sorry. I believe that people say, yeah, there's grace, but I believe that there has been so much trading happen about how amazing people are and what they've done, quote unquote, with Jesus, that God's actually brought a level of opposing to the church and and it's actually stopped the church from moving forward properly. Isn't that interesting? But, everyone say, but, the good news is that I believe that this year, as we start to follow places of, as we start to lean into the right criteria and align ourselves with this continual journey of ascension, it's not just a one-off, you know, this continual journey, and we allow God to put in us what is right. actually talks about walking in humility, which means that there's a level of action that we need to do to be humble. If you, it, says, it says walk in humility, which means that you don't think of yourself more highly than you are. And when something amazing happens, you actually say, oh, God, that was all you. I remember one time I went to a camp, a youth camp, and I'm going to finish now. Went to this youth camp, and this thing happened at this youth camp, and it was flipping amazing. And do you remember what happened at that youth camp? You were there, actually. Uh, the rainbow. Yeah, tell it. Oh, you don't need to tell us. I'll tell them. I'm humble enough now. But basically what happened was, that an angel and a portal appeared in the woods and someone actually filmed it. And it was like, and was it just, it was ridiculous. So I was ministering and then this honey came through, the winds came, the angels came and a portal appeared with our natural eye in the woods. People were screaming, freaking out. This is completely true. Obviously, I'm pointing to my wife. She was there and they filmed it with a film thing. And I was like, wow. And I was like, my goodness, Ministry International is here. I said, you've got no idea. I'm ministering so powerfully. Portals are appearing and people are seeing them with their natural eye. Watch out. And I was just like, so I went to talk to Jesus. And I was like, Jesus, um, you found your man. I know I've performed well today. So everything's going really, really well, isn't it? And this is what happened. The Holy Spirit came on me really strongly. This was, it was an amazing, probably one of the most supernatural experiences I've ever had in a public, public meeting. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, come down to the river. We were in a place called Foster, and there was a beautiful river down in Foster. And we go into the river. And I, the reason I'm getting on my knees, I saw, I saw this in my, in my vision last night. And he said, come down to Foster. And then he said, go down to the river and give me all the glory. It's too much for you to bear. And I literally went down for 15 minutes, and I just gave him the glory for everything that he did in that. And he said, and that is the journey of humility. And I want to encourage you in whatever it looks like, whatever it looks like for you, that I believe that God is going to launch us into some incredible stuff this year. But with ascension and with going after our scroll and with going after all these things, we need to make it a a priority to rid ourselves of pride as much as possible, but to clothe ourselves with humility, just like Jesus. Is that good? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Awesome. So good. Thank you. Yeah, it was good. That was a great word that I just released.
Hello. I just feel the need to do this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, you can't make this up. Like, I've, you know, it's not like we get together and we compare words. I think I heard a sentence of Rachel's word today. Um, and as each of them are getting up, I'm like, that's my word. That's my word. That's my word. Started with Todd this morning. So um, I'm just going to jump straight in. I've tried to keep it short, okay? All right. So now I know that I speak on the fear of the Lord a lot, but that's because it's important. And this, the conversation around the fear of the Lord started about four years ago. And this is not actually part of my word, but I thought it would give some context. It, it was, I'm going to say almost exactly four years ago, uh, I saw the blood being painted on the, the doors of FOD. And the Lord said that there was a protection coming in this next season. You know, when you, when you begin to engage the prophetic and you lean in and you, you, know, you, you build that muscle of getting prophetic words, you get used to words like that. You get used to using the language of in this season. I didn't even know what, what that meant. And that's when the world shut down. So um, the fear of the Lord has been a theme in this house. It's been a pillar in this house for, for um, a long time. And I feel like we've come back for another cycle. And I'll explain what I mean by that. All right, so I said this conversation started about four years ago, and I, well, this is what I feel. I feel like that the last four years have been a season of preparation for us. We've had opportunities to unpack, we've had opportunities to test and weigh, you know, um, and explore, but now it's time to run. This is exactly what I had written down, right? And that's come through another witness, right? It's time to run. And when I asked the Lord how he wanted me, do I have to do this? Is this okay? Like, is this, I don't just, all right, give me a heads up. Okay, all right. Because I'm like, I can't do two things at once. <laughs> all right. So when I asked the Lord how he wanted um, me to distill what I'm saying today, I was expecting like a sentence, like a phrase or something. But instead he gave me a list. So, and I tried, I tried for hours to like maybe consolidate them into a phrase or a sentence, but it was, I was just making it messier. So I'm just going to share with you exactly what he gave me, but now it makes sense. Now that I've heard the others, it, it's, all, it's all come together. So this is exactly the list that he gave me. So this is the, this what I believe makes up the word for this next season. Number one, know the state of your affairs. I'm going to unpack these in a second. Number two, see the season for what it is. Number three, it's time to use what we know and what is given us. And number four, it's a season of judgment. Okay, so I'm not going to unpack these in detail now because I'm going to be bringing them over um, the series, which I'm going to talk about at the end. But just, you know, I'm just going to cover them really quickly. So know the state of your affairs means your value systems. We reduce the Lord to our value systems. Okay? See the season for what it is. It's not to be in a rush to get to the finish line. It's not to be in a rush to get to heaven. The Lord gave me this, like last night we were in the car and I had no idea what Todd was gonna get up and talk about. But last night in the car, um, we, we, we really felt to take the kids through some mapping like when we got home from what we were doing. And I just, it just hit me, like stuff that you just know, but then it really hits somewhere. I just turned to the family in the car and I said, you know, we read the Bible we read about all of the greats. We read about, you know, Noah and Moses and Isaiah and all of these people. They're watching us like we read about them. And they're not perfected without us, right? 
And then I said to my kids, I said, you know, heaven's a really good place and, you know, that's the aim. But I'm not in a rush to get there. Because once I'm there, I'm taken out of the quest. I'm taken out of the race. Heaven's not existing and functioning and waiting for people to catch up. Heaven is waiting for, something, for the Lord's plans and purposes to be made manifest on the earth. Heaven's watching this. I don't know why he wanted me to tell you this, but this is what he wanted me to say. And then Todd gets up and says almost the exact same thing. Um, and I'm going to tie this all together in a summary of what, what the what I believe he's saying right now, something that we can actually run with, but I just wanted to break it down first. And then when he said, it's time to use what we know and, and use what he's given to us, it comes a time when we have to graduate at some point. It comes a time where we have to actually come out of the nest and begin to use what he's given us. There has to be a time where we've finished our training and, and we've, we've stewarded all of the information. We've been good stewards of that, but now we actually begin to need to outwork that. And it's a season of judgment. People are getting what they've subscribed to. That's how judgment works. So in a nutshell... What I feel like this season is, is the Lord is challenging our value systems and allowing us to reap a return of our investments. Now, I'm going to unpack investments a little bit. Rachel's just gone and, you know, done that as well. <laughs> but it's from a completely different angle. Um, I was not, now, I speak about the Israelites in the desert a lot. I was not expecting to quote any scripture around that, to, to reference any of that, but as I was unpacking this, he led me to Psalm 106, 13 to 15. So I'm just going to read it. And this is what it says. It says, talking about the Israelites, they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul, which is <laughs> touching on Bell's word. So, um, so this so. There's so much I want to say, but I want to keep this short. Basically, what I feel like he's saying, this word comes with an accusation. This word, kind of like the seven letters, this word comes with an accusation. It comes with strategy. And so it's a warning, and it's also a pathway to redemption, right? It comes with a promise of blessing and reward, and it, but it comes with, but you know, for those who have an ear to hear kind of thing. So... The summary of my summary is this. This is a cycle of the call or the invitation to embrace the fear of the Lord. We've had an intense season of training and equipping and a lot of information as well as the external witness, right? We've seen what's happening in the world. We've seen things outwork. So we've seen the overt plans of the enemy. They're not hidden. So this is a season to get our affairs in order unto the fear of the Lord. What does that look like? It looks like yielding our value systems for His. Now, again, I'm going to be unpacking all of these in detail over the next you know, couple of weeks. But I want to highlight a couple of things from that scripture since He gave it to me. Lusted exceedingly, lusted there is talking about a longing and an adhering to. So what, the, what he was describing there is that the Israelites adhered to and longed for their identities back in Egypt. Because every time there was hardship or there was pressure, 
They kept raising the value systems that they had built in captivity above the knowledge of the Lord. So Rachel was talking about, you know, going what we've invested in. It's the same thing. When the pressure came, the first thing the Israelites did is they went back to who we were when things were comfortable, where, where, our, where our needs were met. It's also a season where who let us have what we want. And I said before, now, now we start moving into the judgment zone. So it's a season where he'll let, he let us have what we want. And the, the, to quote that part of Scripture, he gave them their request. Now the word request there means to demand and ask. It means to earnestly inquire. All of those things are describing something that your heart actively goes after, actively invests in. You don't accidentally earnestly request that's not something that happens, oh, did I, did I just earnestly inquire about something? It's something that your emotion gets poured into. It comes from a place. I will give them their request. So what they're actively engaging at a heart level and investing in, exactly what Rachel was talking about, is what I'm going to give them. And the, that word there also, the word request there also means loan. So basically... In modern language, this is what I'm talking about. He'll let us have the things that ultimately we are not resourced to service. Which is why there was the, the, the consequence of the bronze serpents. Which is why he, he asked Moses to fashion a bronze serpent and said, if you want to be healed, if you've been bitten by one of those things, you want to be healed, you need to gaze upon that thing with favour and pleasure. Right? So he was challenging their value systems. So I said that the word request means loan and he'll let us have the things that ultimately we are not resourced to service. Therefore, lands judgment on us. That's how judgment works, right? Now, again, I'm going to unpack the rest of this in more detail over the next two Sundays, which I'm going to explain. But just want to, I want to quickly go into um, specifically what, um, what type of judgment. It's a word that I've become very comfortable with I mean, no surprises there, but it's something that, you know, I've, I think judgment, if we see the Lord's mercy and kindness in judgment, judgment isn't something that he does, judgment is something that he allows, right? It's not the heart of the Lord. So specifically in this season, what I feel like the warning is, is that he's talking about a leanness of soul, now, that's a spiritual leanness, not a supernatural weight loss thing, right? We're talking about a spiritual leanness. So Bell was talking about the fattening, right, of the diligent. This is the opposite. That's the what to do. This is the what not to do, right? So the consequence of, now I'm going to go into counsel in a minute, but the script, I'll read the scripture again. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. Now, to unpack that, they did not wait for his counsel. The word wait there in the original Hebrew is to long for, is to, is to tarry, to not move until, until you have it. But instead, they continued to lean into what was old, what was comfortable, what was a, a familiar pathway. They kept, you know, they tested God in the desert. That's basically saying they kept reducing him to their value systems. So he gave them what they wanted. 
with a little bit of extra on top, he added leanness onto their soul. That's a spiritual leanness. In modern language, that's also like saying a hardening of the heart. When your heart is hardened, it's very difficult to receive spiritual revelation. And the, heart, the, the, the inner world is like leaven. Whatever, whatever is established in your inner world will spread like leaven. So spiritual leanness is a, what I believe is, is a, what we're being warned against. Because like Bill was talking about, you don't fatten a calf or a pig on, on market day. When, we're, when the pressure hits, whatever the season brings, because we only see in part, you don't wait for that time in order to cultivate and carve out your secret place and what that looks like. It's, you can do it. It's always doable, but it's always harder because you're under pressure. It's like building, a, digging a well in a drought. So he's talking about what I felt like he was talking about is where there are areas in our hearts where we know our heart is hardened. These are the things that will organically transpire into a spiritual leanness, a leanness of the soul. Because the opposite to the fear of the Lord is a hardened heart. The first place that we can look at in order to identify where we might be at risk in those areas is where we don't receive counsel, where we don't seek it out. And he just said that. He said they did not wait for counsel. They had their value systems, their operating systems that they lent on in order to respond or react to whatever was was happening for them at the time. So the opposite to the fear of the Lord is a hardened heart. Is everyone okay? Very good. Okay. Now, in light of the season that we're in, you know, and Todd on the first Sunday, you know, Todd said it's a season to govern, but you can't export what you don't have. You have first we have to learn how to self-govern. Like Rachel said, we're going to be running um, a it, overall it's a nine-week series. There will be a bit of a break for a week because we've got um, a guest ministry here. But overall, it's nine weeks with eight teaching sessions. And then the ninth week is a panel like we had for the last one for the intensive before Christmas where there'll be opportunity you know, for Q&A or to expound on anything. Um, but what we're going to be doing differently this year is we're, because you know, we, we, we've now just had a smorgasbord of words. And to, I want to give an opportunity for people who maybe have been introduced to concepts for the first time in any of the words that were brought today. If, if, you've, if any of the words brought today have generated some questions, please send them in. That way it would help the team better prepare as well. You know, it may be covered in some of the things that we talk about or, you know, however that works. So if, if any, anything today that you've heard generates questions, please send them in. Um, oh, yes, to me. You can send it to me. If you just go to the website, you can go to contact us. That comes to me anyway. So the info at Field of Dreams or Christina at fieldofdreams.org.au, not .com. Okay. Um, Yes. So, and, and the purpose of this, like, you know, like Rachel said, the purpose of this series is to equip and support the outworking of, of what, of, you know, because when you receive the word of the Lord in a season, that makes a demand on heaven because you begin to engage. So the purpose of the series is to help people engage and out, or walk out, outwork the, 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 the invitations, the mandates, 
whatever it is in your world that these things are touching on. So please make it as interactive as you can. And, and that's why we're giving opportunity for questions from the outset and then also toward the end. That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, can, <laughs> I'm like, what's that? Land, okay, grab your communion. <laughs> I forgot I was landing the meeting. <laughs> Who's excited about the series? Yeah, come on. <laughs> you know what? Self-governance would have to be the thing that stabilised my journey the most. Because self-governance is the only thing that you're actually empowered to build or destroy. Everything else is out of your control. The only thing that is in your control is your inner world. I'm so passionate. I love all conversations around the inner world. It's, it's designed to empower. And maybe you trigger a little bit, but okay. So, but don't worry, I triggered first. <laughs> okay, all right. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. We thank you for the words that you've brought in this season. We thank you that every single time you speak, you reveal a part of who you are. You reveal a part of your heart in this season. I thank you that every time you speak, your words are designed to frame up our worlds. That you do not leave us exposed, that you do not leave us vulnerable, but you're so intentional. You are the architect of our inner world and ultimately our external worlds. So right now, we just, we receive to whatever capacity each and every one of us have, every word that's been spoken, and we receive it through the filter of the Holy Spirit. We don't receive it through the filter of any tone. We don't receive it through the filter of any past value system or any voice of the accuser that would seek to leverage off of anything spoken here today. We establish you as the only authority, we establish you as the only plumb line for the season moving forward. And we thank you that the soil of every seed that you have planted is in you. We thank you for opportunity. We thank you for grace. And we thank you that all this was made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus. All right, well, I'm very excited about the series. And um, yeah, so please, if you've got any questions, um, and they may not even, they don't have to be limited to a question, it may just be, you know, a thought. Like, I don't, if you're struggling to put it into a question, just send it to me and I'll work out what you're saying. All right, okay, thank you. Have a lovely evening and we'll see you Sunday. <laughs>